So this morning, I want to talk to you about strengthening faith through spiritual disciplines such as uh, prayer and the Word of God. And I want to put my main focus on, on prayer this morning. Have, have you ever noticed that the greatest joys in this world or the, um, the, the, the best things in this life come through hard work? They come through um, uh, dedication. They come through what, I, what I've wrote down here as diligent discipline. And when I say diligent discipline, I want to give you a definition so you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about spiritual disciplines this morning. Diligent discipline is this. It is a constant effort in training to produce a specific character or a pattern of behavior. Diligent discipline. Diligent being the constant steady effort and then the discipline being the training that is meant to produce a specific character or a pattern of behavior in your life. And the only way that you enjoy the good things of this world, the only way that you enjoy the best things in this life is through hard work and through diligent discipline. You will not experience them any other way. As a matter of fact, if you want to stay the same and not experience anything good in this life, the only thing you have to do is nothing. Just keep doing nothing. Don't do any hard work. Don't try to have any goals that you're pursuing after. Don't be diligent and persistent and, and don't have any type of a steady effort in anything that you do. No effort and no training, and I can promise you, you won't enjoy the things, the best things of this life. For example, to play an instrument skillfully. You've got some musicians that were on the stage this morning, and I promise you that every one of them will tell you the same thing. In order to play skillfully, it requires hours upon hours of diligent discipline. Again, it takes a steady effort in training to produce a specific character or pattern of behavior. And unless they have that steady effort in the training to produce that, they will never play skillfully. They'll have muscle cramps. I remember at one time in my life, I actually tried to take piano lessons. And um, the thing that got me was my pinky fingers. Every other finger I could get to do whatever I told it to do, but my pinky fingers for some reason would not go over and do what they were supposed to do. And I can remember getting cramps in my pinkies. And, 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 and it was hard. I know, that's crazy, right? But I can remember that if, if you're willing to fight through those types of things, and people that pay, play the piano will tell you that eventually that pinky actually gets trained to do what it's supposed to do. Mine, on the other hand, I don't think ever would have got trained. But there are people that actually work through it and they actually do a constant effort in training and they produce that pattern of behavior. I remember hearing um, Chris talk about whenever he was learning how to play the guitar and, and he would tell you that he can remember bleeding fingers and calluses being formed on those fingers. And so there was pain that was involved. And he had to continually go in there with hurting fingers and keep pressing those strings in order to accomplish the greatest joys in this life. If you want to play sports well, it requires hours a day of practice. It requires drills. It requires sweat and sore muscles and bumps and bruises. If you want to see what it requires to actually be good at sports, get on YouTube and look up Steph Curry's training video. Get on there and look up his pre-game routine that he goes through, his daily routines that he goes through in order to be who he is on the court. It will amaze you what he has to go through. But if Steph Curry or if Hayden wants to just be the same at sports, if he don't want to do any better, if he don't want to get any better at band, if he's happy where he's at, then all he has to do is what? Absolutely nothing, and he can stay the same. If you want to eat healthy. I got people pointing fingers at me. If you want to eat healthy. It requires sacrifice, 
preparation, self-denial. Can I get an amen from somebody? Not you, Nick. Anybody but Nick. Yeah, I got an old me, all right? I know that there are people in here that have had to go gluten-free and that they've had to change their whole diet and the way that they eat and the way that they, they live, and it requires them to make great sacrifices. They can't just go to the restaurant and order just whatever they want on the menu. They have to look down through the menu and their selection will be very, very limited to what they can actually eat. If they want to not have to stop by McDonald's on the way, they got to think ahead of time and be smart enough to go to the grocery store and be prepared and look ahead of the week and go, okay, on Monday I'm going to do this, on Tuesday I'm going to do this, on Wednesday I'm going to do this, and if you don't do that, what happens? You fail. And you end up not eating healthy, you end up losing that. So to, to eat healthy and to remain a healthy eater, it requires a constant effort in training yourself. It requires diligent discipline to keep your body in shape. And when I say shape, I'm not talking about round. Nick, stand up and show them what round looks like. Round is not the kind of shape that I'm talking about. But to keep your body in shape other than round requires daily exercise, it requires a no pain, no gain attitude, it requires constant effort at training, and it will give you the greatest joys. Just ask anyone who's doing this. Ask anyone who actually gets in a routine of regular daily exercise, and they will probably tell you, I feel so much better when I'm doing this. I'm better physically, I'm better mentally whenever I am doing this. But if you want to just stay unhealthy and keep doing what you do, do what me and Nick do. Sit on the couch and do nothing. <laughs> and that's all you have to do. But if you want to be healthy, if you want to have your body in shape and you want to be good at this, then it requires daily exercise. It requires a right attitude. It requires constant effort and training. You have to actually tell yourself every day that when that time comes around, I have to get up and do this. And eventually it becomes almost an addiction. I know it did for me. I don't know if it did for some of y'all, but years ago, long time ago, I used to be a runner. Some of y'all have heard me say that before. I used to love to run. And I was going, I would get off work at 2.30 in the morning, literally. Now, how many of y'all at 2.30 in the morning are fixing to go to Harvey's Gym and get on a treadmill and run 10 miles? I loved it. I loved it. I couldn't miss a night. Every night I was going at 2.30 in the morning to Harvey's Gym. Back when Harvey's wasn't even, it was over there behind, um, no, it was over there. Um, I don't even remember where it was. It's been a long time ago. It's where TSE was or somewhere in that area. I can't even remember. But I can remember I was going to go over there, and I was going to run 10 miles at 2.30 in the morning, and I loved it. <laughs> if you was going to run 10 miles, somebody would be chasing you. <clears throat> But if you get your body disciplined and trained and used to it, you actually get into a place to where you enjoy it. It's not necessarily a burden. You don't have to make yourself do it, but it's something that you enjoy doing. And if, for instance, I, I, I think back, um, I mean, no matter what you want to look at, you give me any example and it will always be the same. I remember when Ronnie talked about when he first started trying to start up his business in insurance and he didn't have a lot of customers and stuff and he was in Murfreesboro and he, he told me that, that he literally would go to door after door after door and knock on doors and talk to people and people. He was literally an insurance salesman. But that hard work and that dedication actually built up a good business to the point to where now he's still a salesman, but he's able to actually enjoy the fruits of his labor a little bit more today. If you're going to be successful and you're going to enjoy the good things of this life, no matter what they are, you are only going to experience it by diligent discipline. 
And if you do not have diligent discipline, then you can rest assured you're not going to experience the best thing in this life. Now, this is what brings me back to Matthew chapter 26 again. Here in Matthew 26, we have uh, three of Jesus' closest disciples. Jesus is in his darkest hour, and he has 11 others that are, he has 12 others that, that, that he can talk to, but out of those 12, he only selects three. And he brings these three of his closest with them. And the funny thing about this is, a lot of times whenever we read this, we think that Jesus is wanting them to come and pray for him in his hour. Jesus knows what he's fixing to experience. He's praying, but if you were to actually go down to, I think it is verse 41. Let me go down here and find verse 41 right here. Notice what he says. Watch and pray lest what? You enter into temptation. Jesus was not necessarily as concerned about them praying for him as much as he was about them praying for them. He says, Guys, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Prayer was then, according to Jesus, and still is today, a necessary discipline that if we don't be, if we're not diligent in it, you're not going to grow stronger in the faith. But instead, he said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Without watching and without being diligent in prayers, you're not going to grow in faith, but instead, you're going backwards. And Jesus understood this, but like these disciples, notice, many of us, it takes no problem at all for us to lay down and go to sleep for the most part. For the most part, it requires no effort whatsoever to sit down and check Facebook. You don't even have to think about it. You sit down, you pick your phone up, first thing you do, go to Facebook. Check Facebook or, or, or your Twitter or whatever else it is that, that you're checking, that you're looking at. It requires no effort at all for you to kick the recliner back and turn it to, depending on whether you have Dish or, or Direct, uh, uh, the channel that ESPN is on. I think for me it's 206 or 207, I believe it is. And so it requires no effort at all to go in and click on ESPN and watch Sports Center or go in there and watch your favorite baseball game or your football game. All those things require no effort whatsoever. And yet, here we are, just like these disciples here, when it comes time for something that is actually requiring diligent discipline in, we neglect it and we end up going to sleep or we end up getting our eyes heavy and we end up failing in the area that we need to be practicing the most. And you know what's, what's neat about this right here is notice the way that Jesus put it. Let me find the scripture that is in. Verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping and he said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Just a, even an hour. Just an hour. We can sit down for hours at a time and go through Facebook and go through the TV channels and flip through and watch all this stuff. And Jesus come back and says, you couldn't, even, you couldn't even watch and pray for just an hour? For just one hour. In the book of Acts, from start to finish, we see that it's through prayer and through prayer alone that God calls us to join him in his work. I'll prove it to you. I'm not going to show the scriptures for you, but I ask you to just go along with me as I, as I call these out to you. In Acts chapter 1, we see the first Christian church is gathered together, and in verse 14, it actually says that they were continuing daily in prayers. That's what it says. Continuing daily in prayers. They gathered together every day, and they prayed. And then, as a result of that, in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God pours out on them like flames of fire. They preach the gospel in foreign languages and 3,000 plus people are saved. And then in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 it says, and they were devoted to prayer. You started out with I think somewhere around 120. They were devoted to prayer. The Spirit of God falls, 3,000 people are saved, and then they are devoted to prayer. 
And then you go to the very next chapter in Acts chapter 3 verse 1 and Peter and John are going to the temple at the hour of prayer and then in Acts chapter 4 they preach the word after the hour of prayer and many who heard the word believed and 5,000 plus people were saved but all of this is a result of the fact that they were devoted to prayer. They were diligent in it. They were disciplined in it. It was not the same group that was in the garden that couldn't watch for one hour. They had grown. And they had become diligently disciplined in prayer. And because of that, you saw their lives and their faith began to grow. Their boldness began to grow. The church began to multiply and multiply and multiply. And then in Acts chapter 6 verse 4, the apostles knew that they had to stay devoted to prayer in spite of distractions. They had all these distractions and they literally said, listen, you need to pick some men out to take care of this business because we have to stay devoted to the word and to prayer. There are two spiritual disciplines that we must remain in if we're going to keep this thing going and those things are the word and prayer. And then as a result of that, in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, three verses later, the Bible says, the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Again, as a result of diligent discipline in prayer. And I know I'm beating this horse to death, but I'm praying it'll stick in your mind. And here's one of the main things I want to get across to you this morning. There is no power of God in your life without diligent prayer none where there is no prayer there is no power you wonder how come there's no power in your life you wonder how come you don't see anything taking place in your life you wonder how come it feels like your prayers are falling on on deaf ears it's probably because when you do pray it's so far and few between it's not diligent discipline in prayer Ask Chris Bruchelle if you go and you want to practice your guitar once every two weeks. If you pick it up once a week and that's how you do it, how good are you going to be on that guitar? You're not. It's only through diligent discipline that you actually learn how to create what you are desiring to be created in your life. And so it is with prayer. Acts chapter 7, Stephen prays as he's being stoned. And then the very next chapter, it says, because of this persecution, the disciples were scattered and the gospel spread everywhere. But it began with Stephen's prayer. And then in Acts chapter 9, we see Tabitha, a disciple full of good works and charitable deeds, and she dies. And the Bible says that Peter kneels down and he prays. And Tabitha rises from the dead. Acts chapter 10, Peter and Cornelius pray and God's word spreads from the Jews all the way to the Gentiles from prayer. Look them up. Any one of these you're going to see, it will always be as a result of the prayer life that they had. Acts chapter 12, James is thrown into prison. He's killed by the sword. So because it pleased the Jews that Herod did this, Peter is arrested for the same thing and then the church gets together and they lift up constant prayer for Peter and Peter was saved because of that constant prayer. Acts chapter 13, the church prays. Paul and Barnabas start their ministry as a result of the church coming together and praying and they literally heard the Holy Spirit say, I want Paul and Barnabas to go over here and do this and any of you that know the book of Acts and the New Testament stories will know the missionary journeys that were created from that prayer life right there saved the entire Roman Empire, saved all of Greece and, and, and all of Asia. The gospel was spread further than it had ever been because of those prayers. Acts chapter 16, this is the last one I'll give you. Paul and Silas are praying and singing in a Philippian jail and God sends an earthquake to free them and the Philippian jailer and his whole family are saved. But do you think that it would have happened were it not for diligent, persistent discipline 
in prayer. It's not going to take place any other way. When God's people pray diligently and are well-disciplined in prayer, it has a massive effect on the kingdom as well as your own faith. See, I'm convinced that the reason why, and y'all listen to me closely, I am convinced that the reason why the church of Christ in the states is so weak is because we are not disciplined diligently in prayer. That's the truth. You may have one or two here and there, but as a church, we are not diligently disciplined in prayer and that's why we're not having a massive effect on the kingdom and that's the reason why your own faith is not growing but instead we keep falling into temptation because we could not watch and pray for even one hour. I'm preaching this morning. So, All you have to do to grow in your faith is be diligently disciplined in your prayers. Thank you. Have a nice day. Be nice if it was that easy, wasn't it? But that's the whole problem, right? That's the whole issue. It would be nice if it was just that easy and I could say, okay, guys, just be more disciplined and be more diligent in your prayers. And everybody said, amen. And the church of God just grew like crazy. But that's the problem. There are several difficulties associated with prayer. First difficulty associated with prayer is the flesh hates to pray. You're speaking to one right here. The flesh hates to pray. Look with me, if you would, at um, Romans chapter 8, verse 7. It says that the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. In other words, that word enmity means to have great feelings of hostility, to have great feelings of opposition, So here again, the carnal mind has great feelings of opposition and great feelings of hostility against God. And because of that, that is what you're fighting whenever you are coming to God in prayer. It has deep-rooted hostility toward God. Have you ever... How many of you in here have ever started praying and all of a sudden your heart and mind started thinking things that was just absolutely terrible? The struggle is real. The flesh hates to pray. It is contrary to everything that we're trying to pray for. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, listen to what it says. It says, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Now just think about some of these things. Every one of these things are contrary to what God is commanding of us. Instead of hatred, God tells us to what? (laughs) Instead of of actually cursing our enemies, God tells us to love them and to bless them and pray for them. The flesh hates to pray because everything that we're praying for is completely contrary and is at odds with the things of God. And you're not alone in this. We have selfish ambitions. We have dissensions. We have heresies. We have envy. We have murders. We have drunkenness, revelries, and the like. In other words, we can't even name them all, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I have told you in times past, that those who practice those things or such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Salvation is at stake. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering. Who in here just loves to be long-suffering? It's long-suffering. 
It's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The only hope we have is that we are able to walk by faith, hear the command of God to say, do these things and say, God, if you command me to do it, you must also have the power to bring it to pass in my life, so I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk in it. That's what faith is. That's how the lame man walked. That's how the blind man saw. That's how the dead raised. It is by faith and by faith alone that any of this is possible. The flesh hates to pray. And unless you're walking in faith, your prayer life is going to come to a complete halt. The second distraction we have for prayer is the mind is so easily distracted. <laughs> have you ever been praying you start out and you something to the effect, I don't know how y'all start out, but you may start out and you say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the newborn movie came out this weekend. <laughs> I don't think I have anything to do Friday. No, no, I got to be over here Friday and I got to do this, so we're not going to be able to do that. Oh, but wait a minute. I got, I got Sunday night that we may be able to go do something because we got family day Sunday. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're over here somewhere and you stop and you go, wait a minute, how did I get here? I started with our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be my name, hallowed be thy name. That's what we usually pray, right? That's the problem. I started right over here and I ended up over here how in the world did my mind even get there? Our minds are so easily distracted. We're like Martha. You remember whenever um, uh, Jesus came to visit Martha and Mary and, and Jesus comes into the home and Martha's running around and she's serving and she's cleaning and she's preparing and Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, just talking to Jesus, just listening to Jesus. And Martha gets so mad and upset and she walks in there and she says, Lord, do you not see that my sister is sitting here doing absolutely nothing? Tell her to get up and help me serve. And Jesus looked at Martha and he said, Martha, Martha, you are so worried and distracted by so many things. But the best thing that you need is what Mary has chosen and it will not be taken from her. And we are so worried and distracted about so many things and our minds are corrupt and, and they're debased and we're having to renew them daily and we, we begin prayer with the best of intentions but somehow we end up in la-la land. Or, or how many of you have ever started your prayers at night? You sit down and, and you wait until you got in the bed to pray. And you start your prayer at night and the next thing you know, you wake up the next morning. I don't even know if you made it past our father who are. I'm preaching this morning, ain't I? Our minds are distracted. The flesh hates to pray. We have so many difficulties associated with prayer. And this was probably the, the disciples' problem as well. So you're not alone, but you got to grow in it. Notice the disciples from the Garden of Gethsemane to the book of Acts. Don't you see there was a major change that took place? They're falling asleep and they can't even watch in prayer for one hour and they walked with Jesus. But they grew in their faith as they became disciplined in prayer. You know, one of the, one of the examples I think about, and I've used this example many times, in uh, Mark chapter 9, the disciples are trying to cast a demon out of a little boy and a father is just begging them, can you please help my son? Can you please help my son? And they're doing everything they know to do and they, 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 they have no power. They can't accomplish anything. And the Bible says that Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus walks up and the man runs up to Jesus and he says, listen, your disciples have been trying and they just ain't able to do anything. If you can do anything... Will you please help my son? 
And the Bible said that Jesus looked back at the man and he said, listen, I can do anything if you can believe. And the man looked back at him and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I struggle with that. I believe, but, but help me. I, I need to grow in my belief. And Jesus, I believe, had such compassion on the man because the Bible says that Jesus walked up to the boy and he said, you deaf and dumb spirit, you come out of him and never enter him again. And the Bible says that the demon immediately left the boy that quick. A little while later, the disciples came to, to Jesus and they said, we don't understand. Why, why couldn't we cast it out? Why couldn't we help this boy? And Jesus looked at him and he said, this kind can come out by nothing but what? Do you think the disciples had not tried praying? Surely they prayed. Surely that was the first thing they did. So Jesus was not telling them, oh, I'll tell you where you messed up. I'll tell you why it didn't happen. You forgot to pray. That's not what he was saying. Jesus didn't even pray when he walked up to the boy. He walked up to the boy and he didn't bow his head, close his eyes and say, our father who art in heaven, please take care of this. He walks up to the boy and he says, hey, you, get out of him. Don't ever come back that quick it takes place. So what was Jesus telling his disciples whenever he said this kind can only come out by prayer and by fasting? He was telling them that you have been caught in a time of your life of prayerlessness. You wanted to wait until you got up. Ain't it funny how, how we can go so long in times of prayerlessness until all of a sudden cancer hits one of our loved ones? And then what happens? Oh, we're prayer warriors. We're prayer warriors. And more than likely, Jesus' disciples, even though they were walking with him, they had been caught in a moment in their life of prayerlessness. And now all of a sudden they come on the scene where power is needed and they expect to just walk up and have the power. And here's exactly what Jesus said to them. You have no power because you have no discipline in prayer. That's true in our lives. You have no power over the things in your life that need to change because you have no diligent discipline in your prayer life. The struggle is real for all of Christ's disciples. So the question is, how do we become diligent and how do we become disciplined in our prayer life? We need help. So here are a few tips that I want to give you very quickly. A few tips to help you become diligently disciplined in your prayer life. The first example comes from Jesus in Luke chapter 22, verse 39 through 40, and this is what it says. It says, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was what? What does it mean to be accustomed to something? He was persistent at it, wasn't he? He was steady. He, 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 was, he was diligent at it. He was accustomed. And his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place that he was accustomed, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Here's the thing you need to understand. Even Jesus, the very Son of God, had a particular place that was his place of prayer. You know, we are so easily distracted. The flesh hates to pray. One of the things that you can do and one of the things that I do that helps me a lot when I fall into times of prayerlessness is I get back to my place of prayer. You need to have a place of prayer and it needs to be your sacred place. There were so many times that Jesus would actually come to this place um, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. Look what it says. It says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain, and this is the same mountain that he was accustomed going to. It was the Mount of Olives. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And now when evening came, he was alone there. 
It was his sacred place. It was his private place. There would be times he would bring people in with him, but it was his place of prayer. And you know, that's something that I've had to do in my life. I've had to do a place that was my place that when I come into that place, I know and I'm reminded this is the place where I bow my knees and this is the place to where I I proclaim my dependence upon God for everything and I begin my prayers. So pick a place that is your sacred place of prayer, your private place of prayer. In Matthew chapter um, chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, listen to what Jesus told his disciples. He said, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, what do you do? Go into what? Go into your room. Go into your room. Go into your place that you have designated that this is going to be my place of prayer. Go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the question you have to ask yourself is this, do you even have a place of prayer? Do you have a, a place that, that when you see it, you know that this is the place where I humble myself down and I pray? And it can't be just right here. Because if it's just right here, more than likely, it's only a couple times a week, if that. So where is your place of prayer? And do you use it as often as you use the couch? Do you use that place as often as you use the remote control? Do you use that place as often as you use your, your bathroom to get a shower and to, to get yourself ready? And do you use it as often as you use the sink in front of the mirror where you shave at? And if you don't have that place and it is not a sacred place of prayer for you, then that's probably one thing that you're not doing that is keeping you from being diligently disciplined in your prayer life. But if you have that place and it's sacred, then I promise you it's not going to be very often that you're able to walk by that place without coming to mind, this is my place of prayer. And this is what time it is, and this is what I'm going to do. So find a place to dedicate for prayer and pray there regularly. The second thing that helps to develop a diligent discipline in prayer, plan specific times for prayer. This is important. Plan specific times for prayer, but still be spontaneous in your prayer life. I'm not saying be so scheduled that you, that you uh, don't have any other prayer life. But I am saying that just like the, the, the Jews of old, they prayed three times a day. They prayed in their rooms and they faced the east. They had a certain routine that they followed and it would probably be very wise for us to plan specific times of prayer. One thing that has helped me that I'm, I sway back and forth on and I have to keep bringing myself back to, but one thing I do is I set an alarm on my cell phone. And it's usually at a time whenever I know that I will be able to stop what I'm doing and just pray. And so if you can do the same thing, maybe your time is early in the morning. I know for, for Christ, he would, there were scriptures that literally said he would rise up early in the morning. I think I have those. Let's look at that. Luke chapter 21, verse 37. Look at this. And in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple, but at night, he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. And we know why he stayed on the mountain. It was his time of prayer. And then also in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, look what this says. It says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now this is important for us to understand because remember where we started? Without diligent discipline, you will not experience any of the good things of this life. 
If you want to stay where you are in your faith and you're tickled to death with where you're at and you don't want to advance any at all, then just do what you're doing. Just do nothing. Just look at something like this and go, you know, for me to rise up an extra 30 minutes or an extra hour before the morning, it's just too much. It's just too much of a sacrifice. Okay, yeah, maybe it is. And if that's the case, keep doing what you're doing. Or maybe you can actually set it for the nighttime and instead of getting in the bed to pray, you actually find your place of prayer and you do it at that time of night. And again, those are some things that you can do to help fight against these distractions that come in our way. So plan specific times for prayer, but still be spontaneous in prayer. The reason I say spontaneous is because Jesus didn't just have his specific times of prayer, but anytime he felt the need to pray, he prayed. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness. And what? And he prayed. So he had his specific times of prayer, but at the same time, whenever he felt the need, he would just withdraw from whoever he had to to be able to go and humble himself down and pray. And I want you to really think about this for just a second. If the very Son of God felt it such a need to pray the way that he prayed, how much more do you think we should feel the need to have a diligent, disciplined prayer life? I'm telling you, the reason why we don't experience the things of God and the good things of God like we want, the reason why we don't see the power of God the way we want to see the power of God is because this right here is what we lack. This is it. This is where we're failing. The third thing, I've only got two more after this. Think about what you desire to see change in your heart. Think about what you desire to see change in your life. Think about what you desire to see change in your family. Think about what you want to see change in your church. Think about what you want to see change in your community. Now notice the way that it progressed. One of the ways that you can help your mind is one of the things I do a lot of times is I have a list a lot of times that I pray with. So I just kind of go down the list and it's just, I need stuff like that because my mind, I'm telling you, I start out praying, next thing I'm thinking about who knows what. I'm sure some of you deal with the same thing. And so one of the things that you can do is you can start by praying for you. What do you want to see change in your life? What are some of the things that you look at and you go, God, I know that these are things that you are displeased with. Have you ever looked at God and said, God, I am so sorry that I am so unlike you. I'm so sorry that I have the desires that I have. I'm so sorry that my mind is the way that it is and my heart is the way that it is. And I think about those things and I start praying for me and a lot of people will say, well, that's just selfish. No, listen, you can't help anybody else with nothing and you can't give anybody something that you don't have yourself. It has to start right here and you start with you and then you move out to your family because how many of you got family you know things need to change? And then you move to your family and you say, God, I want to pray for my family and this and this and this and this. And then you move from your family and you say, God, I want to pray for my church. And I want to see this and this and this. And then, God, I want to pray for my community. And you just keep going out. And you keep going out. And you actually have some structure to your prayer life. Too many times we get down on our knees in prayer and we have no plan in prayer whatsoever. We have no direction in our prayer. And as a result of that, we end up just saying the same old thing over and over again. And don't, don't be offended when I say this. It's a trained, prayer is trained a lot of times, but I grew up and it was always, Lord, lead, guard, guide, and direct and bring us back to the next appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Got a few chuckles out of that because ain't that, ain't that the way we do? We get trained in our prayers. There's no real structure and there's no real plan to our prayer. So if you want to have a disciplined prayer life, think about what you desire to see change in you, in your family. What do you desire to see change in your church? What do you desire to see change in your community? You wonder how come your church ain't changing? Don't always point the finger up here. You're the church. You're the church. What do you want to see change in your church? Put that in your prayers. And then um, second to last, number four, pray the word of God. I want to give you an example of this right here, something that, that helps. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, the apostle Paul actually gives you a prayer, and there are many, many examples like this, and you can actually pray any scripture. But as you read a scripture, sit down with your Bible and open it up. And listen to Paul. He said, I do not cease to give thanks for you. First things first, that right there I stop and I go, who's he being thankful for? Well, he's being thankful for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Why should I be thankful for you? Why should I thank God for you? And then I begin to actually pray and give thanks for you and I make mention of you in my prayers and here are the things that he begins to mention. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. He said, I want my family to have wisdom. I want them to have revelation in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. I want the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. Some of you know exactly what he's talking about here. When I read that, I know what he means when he says, I want the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. And here's the key, that they may know what is the hope of his calling. And I pray that with all of my heart that this is what I, I want for them. I want them to know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance. <laughs> I want them to know that. I want them to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand at the heavenly places. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that you can just open your Bible up if you don't want to get distracted and you don't want to go different ways. And listen, I've already lost some of you already. Notice how easy the mind is distracted. Whoop, here we go. Could you not watch for one hour? Could you not pray for one hour? If you don't have some type of a learning process in this training, in this discipline, then the answer will always be no. You know, I feel sorry for some of us. Um, Nate, whenever Nate, was, uh, Nate Brady was here, he said it was hard for him to, to get back adjusted to this because he's used to teaching for anywhere from 8 to 12 hours at a time. Let me say that again. He's used to teaching to the same people for eight to 12 hours at a time. And they sit and they listen. Now he did say that there are some that he keeps a stack of pencils up here and that if one goes to sleep, he'll throw a pencil at them or something. But, so maybe that's what I need to do from time to time with y'all. I may try that. But you know, here's one of the things about it. We need to have some kind of structure, some kind of plan, some kind of guidance so that we actually have these distractions not get in our way. We have them in check and we keep them in control. So pray the Word of God. Get your Bible out and just begin to pray as you read the Word of God, the things that come to your mind through the Word of God. And then last, this is it, pray with others. Pray with others. You know, on Wednesday nights... Um, I'm, I'm just like you. I struggle in my prayer life. Y'all have heard me say this many times. But on Wednesday nights, if you can, I know everybody can't, I get together and I pray with my family here, and I'm going to tell you why that's one of my most cherished times. Because a lot of times by the time Wednesday rolls around, my prayer life has begun to kind of dip down just a little bit. 
And coming back in here and praying with people again brings me back to that point of my understanding for my need for prayer. And I leave here with my list and I begin Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And then before I know it, I'm beginning to slack off again. And then Wednesday rolls around and I'm back. So again, praying with others is a very good way to keep yourself in a disciplined and be diligent in your prayer life. I know it's hard. I know we need help. And I know it would be nice if I could just tell you, go home and pray better. Go home and pray harder. But listen, get yourself a plan. Recognize that nothing good comes in this life and in your spiritual life without diligent discipline. It's something you've got to work at. It's something that requires great effort. And if you can do some of these things, pick you a private place of prayer and make it sacred so that when you come by that place, you know that this is what I do here. Plan you specific times for prayer, but still be spontaneous in it, in your prayer life, so that you know that when the alarm goes off, this is when I pray. And then when the doctor comes in and says, my family member's got cancer, this is when I pray. Or I rise up early, and this is when I pray. Or I go to my spot before I go to bed, and this is when I pray. Think about what you want to see change in your life so that you have some focus and direction to your prayers and write it down. Think about what you want to see change in your family. You wonder how come some of your family's not changing. Sometimes it's a very good reason that we're not serious in our prayers about it. And then pray the word of God and pray with others. It will require discipline. But listen, the greatest joys in this world do not come without diligent Discipline, And unless you are diligently disciplined in prayer, you will not see the power of God in your life. That's a promise. You want to see the power of God? Get you a diligent prayer life, and you'll see it take place. Y'all stand this morning. This is a time that whatever the Lord has laid on your heart, whatever it may be, is a time that you can humble yourself before him. You can do it right there in your pew, or you can humble yourself at the altar here, whichever one you see fit. But whatever the Lord has spoke to you this morning, I pray that you would take care of it before you leave. If you need to come, come as we sing.